everyone. Thanks for tuning in to our second episode of In the Know, the Coloradoans' newest podcast. My name is Saja Hindi, and I cover public safety and local politics for the Coloradoan. We're so excited to have you join us, and we look forward to hearing more from you. Along with two other reporters, Aaron Udell, who covers arts and entertainment and is our podcast extraordinaire, and Kevin Dugan, a senior reporter who covers Fort Collins government and his favorite title, my mentor when I started at the Coloradoan, We'll be bringing you our weekly roundup of Northern Colorado news every Thursday morning. The three of us will be switching off hosting each week. As a reminder, we'll be splitting the show up into three segments. The first will be the Coloradoans' most read and talked about stories of the week. Then we'll move into one of our most popular stories or topics and delve into it further. This week, politics reporter Nick Coltrane will be joining us to talk about Tuesday's election results in Larimer County. The final segment will give you a sneak peek into what's coming up in the Coloradoan at the end of this week and next. So, without further ado, your peek behind the curtain. Our top five most read and engaged stories of the week. To no surprise, our top story is our live coverage of Tuesday night's election results. As of 12.42 a.m., 86,308 ballots were counted, with the Fort Collins broadband internet issue and extension of the ranch sales tax the big wins of the night. Then we have a story by reporter Alicia Stice on two suspects accused of kidnapping and torturing a man in Loveland. Larimer County Sheriff's Office deputies arrested one suspect and identified another in connection with the attack that left a victim with burns so severe he was transported to an Aurora burn center for treatment. Reporter Jacob Laxon wrote about the Sundance Steakhouse Saloon just outside of Fort Collins city limits, trying to change its image after a liquor license suspension. 21-year-old patrons were struck by cars outside Sundance this year, less than an hour after its quarter beer and well drink promotion ended, prompting a state investigation that's expected to cost the bar hundreds of thousands of dollars in sales. Then we have a story by sports coach Miles Bloomhart on Fort Collins quarterback Hayden Iverson, who lost his mom to cancer eight years ago, and his journey to the starting quarterback role on varsity this year. And finally, we of course can't go without talking about this week's snowstorm. The story by reporter J.C. Marmaduke on predictions before the storm and updates throughout the morning on the heaviest snowfall of the season so far was an important one for our readers. You can find all of these stories and more on coloradoan.com. And as we mentioned, our most engaging story this week was about Tuesday night's election. Reporter Nick Coltrane sat down with me on Wednesday to give us an update on what we need to know about the results. Here's what he had to say. So I'm here with reporter Nick Coltrane, the Coloradoans politics reporter, and my desk neighbor, who I get to nerd out with about political happenings each day. Nick, thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do for the Coloradoan? Yeah, so uh, first, Sasha, thank you for letting me bother you on podcast as well as in real life. So I do politics stuff and data stuff and uh, geek out about numbers and things of that sort, and um, so which means election season is always a lot of fun because there's tons of numbers and things like that floating around. So what you're saying is you don't do a ton during election season? Oh yeah, and during elections, it's you can usually find me napping at my desk, um, <laughs> ducking out for coffee for hours on end, things of that nature. So Nick, we wanted to get you on today's podcast because our election coverage was one of our most engaged stories of the week, which is a pleasant surprise considering the voter turnout at the end of Monday. It's an off-year election, and not even a year filled with a lot of candidate races, unless you count the 11 running for five seats on the Loveland City Council, and several school board races. We'll get back to that. But first, part of what we hope to do with this podcast is give people an inside look at what reporters do to get some of their stories, because of our commitment to local journalism. 
There's, of course, a ton of work that goes on before the reporting of an election results story, but tell us a little bit about what your election day was like and how you're able to report on multiple sides of an issue. So election nights end up being a lot of fun in like their own weird nerdy way for us um, especially because like we've spent so much time and energy uh, examining the issues and trying to like present them to people uh, on all sides and all facets so that they can really make up their mind for themselves talking about the pros and the cons of everything and what the ultimate bottom line would be or potentially be for uh, whatever the, the issues are and in the course of that reporting we have the opportunity to meet a lot of folks who are very passionate about these issues very well informed about them um, and so we're able to build those relationships which ends up helping us on actual election night when everything's happening it kind of uh, a rush. Um, last night is a great example, we're recording this on Wednesday, of uh, we got the initial rush of results at about 7.30 p.m. and it, there were pretty definitive answers as which way all of the issues were going to be going. Um, we were able to go to the watch party for the Friends of the Ranch, which is the committee supporting the uh, sales tax, and able to talk to them and kind of get their initial reactions to their measure passing by a pretty convincing margin even so early in the evening. So we were able to uh, meet with them and like have a conversation. These are all people that we've known either now or in a prior reporting and get their initial reactions, kind of get unvarnished and get their thoughts on, okay, well, now what? What's next that you guys have all this extra money that's going to be coming to the ranch? All right, so let's talk about ballots. There were a lot of issues and candidates on the ballot, depending on where a person lives, but we're going to focus on the county issues in the city of Fort Collins today. There was a big snowstorm on Tuesday, one that was predicted, so candidates and advocacy groups were really pushing for people to turn in their mail-in ballots early. And as of Monday afternoon, it was, what, about 23% of registered voters who turned in ballots? Do we have a better idea of what percent of registered voters submitted their ballots in the election and what that looks like compared to other off-year elections, either in the county or statewide? This was not even a midterm election, and uh, midterm elections traditionally have lower turnout than presidential elections. Well, guess what? This wasn't even a midterm election. This was just uh, local issues. There was no statewide issues even on the ballot this year. And as a result, only about one in three uh, active registered voters in Larimer County bothered to turn their ballot in this go around, um, which historically is pretty bad even for other off-off year elections. Um, the most recent one was November 2015, where we saw about a 40% turnout, and in 20, November 2013, uh, we saw about a 50% turnout. Neither of those are particularly great showings. It's, you're certainly not going to see that in marquee letters over any kind of voter advocacy group in the area. Um, but they're still much better than the 34% that we had on Tuesday. So let's start with Larimer County, one of your areas of expertise. There were a couple of ballot issues. One was getting rid of term limits for the assessor, clerk and recorder, surveyor, treasurer, and the one that probably got the most attention, the sheriff. That ballot issue ended up failing. Do you think it's something voters can expect to see in an upcoming election, maybe with the various positions separated out? It's still kind of early on that. I know that was a question that was brought up during the uh, pre-election day debates when people were saying, uh, yeah, why don't we separate these out? And there was a lot of, and even supporters were saying, oh yeah, maybe in the future, if we do have to do this again, that is the route we would go. Um, 
that being said, when I asked uh, commissioners Tom Donnelly and Steve Johnson at the watch party on Tuesday night if they would consider that, they both said it's kind of too early to make up their minds. Neither of them would be opposed to running this again with a um, with separating out all of the positions, but they it sounded like they'd want to wait at least a couple of years before they gave it another go. And then the other county issue was the extension of the ranch sales tax, which voters did approve. It's a 0.15% sales tax, or 15 cents on every $100 purchased of goods. That was originally going to sunset in 2019, and voters originally passed that about uh, in the 1999 election to support the build-out of the ranch and pay off bonds that were allowed for it. Um, and so, yeah, 20 years, it's been 20 years, and folks said, hey, well, we like the ranch. We enjoy what's go- what we're able to do with it. Wouldn't it be cool if it was even bigger, even better, had more services um, and better banquet halls, etc., and maybe even adding in um, some new facilities such as a natatorium, which is a fancy word for an indoor swimming pool, um, or even like an indoor shooting range, another ice hockey, or not ice hockey necessarily, but um, uh, indoor ice arena, that kind of thing. But of course, to do all of that, you need money. And um, so they decided, hey, well, how about we go and ask the rest of uh, our voters to continue on this tax for another 20 years? So they were able to run it in such a way where they did not have that, <laughs> that local initiative death knell of we want to raise taxes at the very beginning of the ballot measure they were able to put in without raising taxes. Do you want to help the ranch succeed? And yeah, it was pretty resoundingly, yes, almost 60% of uh, Lemery County voters said that they want to continue on the sales tax so that they can help build out the ranch. Um, the supporters there, they seemed, uh, they were overjoyed. Um, and also, I would almost say surprised at how resounding a victory they had. Um, they said that it was this kind of thing they never want to take for granted but also knew that the ranch has played like a big role in a lot of people's lives in Larimer County. Um, and it being such a low turnout election, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a handful of people who said, oh yeah, I want to come out and support the ranch, specifically because I have a son or daughter in 4-H, or I was in 4-H myself, and helped them to kind of drive those numbers a little bit. And with it only being a one in three people voting, you can have an outsized voice in this sort of situation. You were at the election party for supporters of the sales tax extension on Tuesday night. What are the next steps? So they have a couple of years before they even start collecting this new tax, which allows county officials to start laying the groundwork, starting to build uh, new partnerships, and kind of get a better sense of like what the community wants, so that they can start building out and expanding on uh, what is currently offered at the ranch and the Lenormand County Fairgrounds. Okay. So in Fort Collins, there was a ballot issue that surrounding cities, including Loveland, were watching pretty closely, and that was the broadband internet ballot issue. Um, it's one that involved a lot of campaign funding for and against, and it ultimately passed. What does that mean for Fort Collins? Yeah, so in a nutshell, what this means for Fort Collins is they're going to explore the issue even more, um, which that sounds like a huge buzzkill, um, and it's not intended to sound like that, I guess. Um, but these things take time, and it's a big process, and the city of Fort Collins, the uh, Fort Collins City Council, have expressed that they want to move very carefully and make sure that they're abiding by voters' wishes. So what voters approved last night um, in the city, it's does not mean that everybody's going to wake up and have broadband magically at their door for 
you know, $20 a month or whatever. Uh, what it means is the city of Fort Collins can include broadband and internet service in either an existing utility or create a new utility in order to uh, provide high-speed internet access uh, to residents. Um, and it can also take out up to $150 million in bonds in order to pay for that. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Nick. I guess we'll continue harping on the importance of local elections, something you as a political reporter really understand. That's still the last word, but it's an excellent point of local elections do matter. They do ultimately end up dictating what happens in your day-to-day life a lot more than who you vote for senator or who ends up being president, with the exception of how much those individuals tend to dominate the media on like kind of a national scale. Again, that was reporter Nick Coltrane joining us on In the Know to talk about Tuesday's election. For more on other ballot issues and Loveland candidates, go to coloradoan.com. And because we have a few extra seconds, a quick update on the Loveland City Council races. Jackie Marsh won the City Council seat for mayor, defeating current mayor pro tem John Fogel and opponent former councilman Larry Heckel. That was a race that got heated and ended in a split Republican vote among Fogel and Heckel. Candidates Jeremy Jersvik, Kathy Wright, incumbent Steve Olson, and unopposed incumbent Dave Clark won the wards one through four seats, respectively. As for Loveland's Downtown Development Authority issue, it really looks like the third time's the charm. The DDA was authorized to take on debt after voters rejected the proposal in two other elections. And now on to our final segment, what's coming up in the Coloradoan later this week and early next. Reporters Nick Coltrane, Kevin Dugan, and I will continue to provide you with context on Tuesday night's election results, so be sure to follow along. Fort Collins Bakery and Market Ginger and Baker, located at the Old Northern Colorado Feeders Supply Building at 359 Linden Street, will host its first soft opening today, Pat Ferrier reports. Reporter Cassin Edringhouse continues to provide you the latest on a bomb threat at CSU from Tuesday night. And this weekend, we'll be bringing you a story on police use of force, accountability, and community trust. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of In The Know. Listen in again next Thursday morning for another weekly roundup of your latest Coloradoan news. In The Know can be found online at coloradoan.com, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And let us know what you think. You can find our contact information online at coloradoan.com. 